When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The roaring 1920s were a decade of extremes where the stock market turned everyday workers into millionaires, usually on extreme margin, but it didn't matter. Stock prices were only going up. And interestingly, the roaring 1920s started shortly after another global pandemic, the 1918 Spanish flu. So what can we learn from history? Could we see that kind of economic boom again? Today on Dumb Money Live, our stock picks for the roaring 2020s. This is Dumb Money Live. With Chris Camillo, Dave Hansen, and Jordan McLean, streaming live on YouTube. We are Dumb Money. Hey there, Dave here, along with Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. Welcome to the show. Before we get into it, I do have a favor to ask. Look for that like button. Smash it. It helps us with the YouTube algorithm. And uh, I do know that you're going to love what we have planned today. So it's worth a smash. <laughs> what are you guys oh. doing? How, how can you not like what we're doing today, Dave? We're going into holiday weekend. It's Easter. It's joyous. Uh, oh, and I just listened to the governor of New York's uh, press conference, and that did get me down a little bit. I mean, it's it's. Whew. Do you know what I've liked watching though? The governor of New York with his brother on CNN when they do their nightly thing. Last night they were showing like. He, the uh, Chris Cuomo was trying to embarrass the governor with photos from their past. They were showing like him wearing bell bottoms in the seventies, I guess. It's a, it, they're they're hilarious. It's but, it's a, it's probably the best I mean, I interview that you can find. I so listen. This is the dark week, right? This is the week they've been telling us about for a long time. This is the week when I think the deaths, the number of deaths in the U.S really starts to climb and, and peak in terms of our daily numbers. And it's yeah. horrific. The way they've been showing those faces of real people it really humanizes it. And we can't forget about that. Um, unfortunately, we're in a position where we have to invest. We have to look into the future. And a, a big part of what we've been preaching before, before this all started, remember before this started, we were preaching, look into the future. You've got to get a step ahead of this. It's a freight train. It's coming our way. It's coming from China. Remember where the market was ignoring it? They just wouldn't, they didn't care about it. Down it 2% didn't seem real. It didn't seem like something that could come our way. It just seemed like this thing over there. And we we kind of were bracing for it. We saw it coming here. Yes. Yeah. We went uh, shorter than we've ever went in 32 years in the market in late uh, late February. And it paid off. Now we have to do the same thing. We have to force ourselves to do the same exact thing. We have to look beyond the conversations that people are having today, beyond the horrific layoffs and the unemployment number and every, all the bad stuff that's going to happen this year. If you're not one step ahead of the rest of the market, then you're losing. You lost prior to this downturn, right, if you weren't one step ahead. And you got to continue to be one step ahead. And I'm really proud of us because we have been, we knew what the drivers were. Remember we saw the drivers? They said they're oil to some extent, unemployment to some extent. But the big driver, the mother of all drivers was 
how long this is going to last, when is it going to peak, how bad is it going to get, right? And that's what we've been zoned in on. And, yeah. and, and, and what have we been doing the past week? We have been monitoring. You know, we live in Dallas, Texas. It's the perfect representative tier two city, right, Dave? Like, like Philly or Atlanta, uh, Arizona, Vegas. Like, this is a great tier two city, very representative. And everyone said, when, when were people saying we we're going to peak here in Dallas? In a few weeks, right? Yep. Like, and yeah. and based on, that's all based on New York. And everyone was looking at the New York numbers and saying, oh, this is about to be replicated in city after city. But I think that um, because of New York, a lot of other cities started acting more quickly than they would have. Dallas shut down restaurants around the same time that New York did. Yeah. And Chris, you, you drive by the uh, drive-through testing site on a daily basis to see the lines, to see what is being reported on the news as you know lines. But yeah, so so they we have two testing sites that are drive through in North Texas that represents almost eight million people, almost an eight million population and only two drive through testing sites. One of those sites is way bigger than the other. It's at American Airlines Center where the Dallas Mavs play in the parking lot. They have they have cones set up for like 700 cars to wait in queue at this testing site, right? And this, this here is a picture that you took yesterday, I believe, right? A two day, that was two days ago, but I've been visiting it every single day. And let me tell you something. What is fascinating about this is the news actually reported this site the other morning to be packed. They showed, You think they showed a close-up of like five cars. Right. That's what I saw. So basically what they what they have been showing on the news is a line of cars, like a tight shot with six cars in line. But from your firsthand experience, when you go there, the most you've ever seen when you went at peak time was about six cars. So all these cones, the parking lot, it's kind of unnecessary. I went multiple times throughout the course of the day. I, I actually rode my bike there the, uh, a few times, actually. And I'm telling you, even during peak times, the most I've seen is five cars. That's it, five cars in the entire parking lot waiting to get their – and they go and get their deal done and they leave. What's interesting is, ready for this? You do not need an appointment to get tested here. All you need is a fever that's 99.6, I believe, and, and tell them you have a cough. If you have those two things, uh, you can get tested. They'll test you. No questions asked. They'll test you, okay? So you would think that if we're going to have any type of peak in Dallas, this type of testing site, which has gotten so much publicity, would be slammed. And Dave, look at that. They well, have I think it's fantastic, on- though, that we even had this testing site, and it was available to us, and we got this up and running. And I think that the, the proactive nature of cities because of New York and because we saw it starting to happen in other cities, I think that the the local and statewide people across the country have done a pretty good job of trying to get ahead of this. Yeah, I let me tell you, this is this is amazing that we did this. I love it that we, even if no, no one shows up, the fact that we were able to pull that off is amazing. But the reality is, right when we were talking about how it's going to get super super bad, nobody's at this testing site. Right? Simultaneously, I'm having conversations with friends in the neighborhood. We live in a neighborhood where there's a lot of doctors and a lot of nurses at the big hospitals. And they are telling us that they were kind of flatlining in terms of new cases. And I even had a few conversations with nurses who told us that they were seeing the number of cases go down day over day. Jordan, didn't you have someone you yeah, spoke my, to? Yeah, my neighbor's a nurse, and she said that their their caseload's going down right now. Okay, so, so this is this is fantastic. But let's try to fast forward even more. Let's start with a series of events that we think could lead to our roaring 2020s. It's 
I think a vaccine that is effective and readily available, that would be great, but that's probably way off in the future. And that would be the thing that signals to me the end of all hesitation in the economic activity. But we want to get ahead of that. Before the vaccine, several things can happen along the way. An antibody test, uh, shelter in place being lifted, people beginning to return to more normal routines. Should we look at this in two phases as an initial boom and then a sigh of relief, followed by something even bigger when the country goes into all-out party mode? Well, Dave, I'd like... Oh, sorry, Jordan, go ahead. No, I think, I mean, so short term, right, we don't really have any solutions to this thing. The only real solutions that we've got is Abbott came out with that, you know, 15 minute test. Right. And so that's that's positive for, you know, getting moving again. Um, the biggest problem is we don't really have an effective treatment and we don't have a vaccine. We're probably not going to have one for at least a year. But we do have a rapid antibody test that yeah. has you know, several companies are making, none of them have been approved by the FDA, but the FDA has this new fact, fast tracking where they're going to be able to put it out there and see if you, maybe you trust the results, maybe you don't. We know that the UK had a problem with their shipment. But, but listen, you have to run those scenarios, Dave. Like, like one of the scenarios we had is that Dallas and places like Dallas would peak in a few weeks. And if that was the scenario that played out, we were not going to lift our short hedge on our portfolio. But once right. we saw what was happening in Dallas and other cities, we got ahead of it. What's, what was fascinating about this was that, the? remember, we just talked about this, the weathermen. When you have a really bad weather event coming, like a blizzard right, or a really bad storm, and they hype yeah. it up for days, as soon as the storm takes a small turn and they realize that it's – and it's so obvious that it's not going to hit – they don't come out immediately and say, hey, you know, like, we're fine now. It takes them a long – they, like, slowly start to change the course. And they're like, well, maybe instead of a foot of snow, we'll have 10 inches. And then, like, when in reality, it was so obvious the storm took a turn and everything was going to be fine. People are very – listen, the media is very hesitant to flip-flop, go from here to there to there because they feel like they'll lose trust. Um, but in the reality is we saw a massive shift this week in terms of what we thought was going to happen and what is going to happen. And we can pretty much owe all that to social distancing and work and stay at home. Right. Like that's what saved us in this country. Right. Exactly. Well, and there, there's a there's a term for that effect of um, overhyping something. And then the next time people taking it less serious. And that's a that's a problem with the weather. Hopefully people will realize that it is the social distancing that let us get to the point of not having these massive peaks in some cities and they don't all just decide, well, you know what? It's a nice day outside. It's springtime. Let's go uh, just start reducing that distance and go hang out. And then we get this, this early summer resurgence of, of conditions, you know, but, right. but so, so that's behind us. The peak is we, we all agree the peak, the, at least the first peak, we're going to get a second wave. But the first that's what peak, I'm saying. We don't want a right. we don't want a second first peak. We, we kind of ducked the, the peak in a lot of these places. We don't want that to turn into something bigger. But, but we can't control that, right? As investors, we can't control that. We can just see what's yeah, we happening. We have to prepare for every scenario. And, and what we see right now is the peak has happened. As far as we can tell, that's gone. That's behind us. And that's why we're way long on the market right now versus where we were a week ago. And it's paid off over the past few days. Now we need to run future scenarios into how this can play out over the next call 12 to 18 months. Yeah. But the one we want to talk about today is the scenario that I think is the most interesting and the most joyous so because we need to have one positive episode, right, going into this <laughs> holiday weekend, Easter weekend. And I, I am actually 
putting a lot of money on this scenario because I feel that this scenario is actually very likely. This is not a long shot scenario. I think this is the likely scenario. I feel that the percentage of this happening is probably 80 to 85 to maybe even 90% in my opinion, okay? And that's what this episode's about. It's the roaring 2020s. And we have this vision, right? And, and that it starts, it starts essentially the moment that we have a vaccine that is likely to be, Jordan, have you looked at this late spring, maybe early summer, maybe early spring if we're lucky, in 2021, yeah. next yeah, year? If you if we were hoping to have it by the time flu season breaks out next year, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think it'll be post-flu season next year. And, and, and so do you agree that right now, we, you know, World War, the end of World War One is what really marked the Roaring Twenties. When World War One ended, the Roaring Twenties really began. Would you agree that we are at war right now, not with each other, but the entire world is at war with something else, this virus, right? And it's going to be a miserable year, the worst earnings in history, maybe the worst economic conditions we've ever faced in our entire lifetime. It's going to be horrific this year, but potentially, I think more than potentially, very likely next spring we get a vaccine. And I think that kicks off the roaring 2020s. 20s. So let's and, talk about, let's learn from history. What did people do in the 20s? What were they buying? They were buying the technology of the day, which was like radios and washing machines and vacuum cleaners and refrigerators. They were buying cars for the first time. Yeah. Uh, that, do you know why, Dave? Because they were happy. No, yes. no, I, I mean, look, 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 we're all about we're all about identifying shifts in culture, shifts in consumerism. Let's talk about what happened before they bought those items. They were very unhappy for a long time, very anxious, very yes. nervous. They put their life on pause. What do we do for the next year? We're going to put our life agreed on pause for all this whole year. 2020, life is on pause. Is anyone traveling this year? No. Is no, anybody we're down like, like 95%? The TSA said that the uh, scanning of people at airports is down 95%. Most airlines have cut their flights by 90 plus percent. This is not a year of travel, and I, I don't see travel coming back until there is this one big, you know, vaccine. Guys, that, is there going to be a single corporate conference where people are partying even in a business sense? This no. year, ever for their industry sector in Vegas, all the thousands of con not one, right? Probably zero for the most part. Is there going to be a concert between now and the end of the year? Probably not even one. Is there going to be a sporting event? Probably not. I bet the NFL likely is a good chance they cancel the NFL this year too. Mm -hmm. I mean, I depending on where we are in the fall, we'll see. Right. I don't think they're going to allow at least, crowds. Even if sports make a comeback where the players get some kind of you know, test before, play the game, it's going to be televised. And that's going to yeah. be, that's going to be the thing that perhaps these Zoom watch parties and streaming your ESPN are the, are the, that's the new sporting event. I think there's zero yeah. chance the NFL doesn't kick back off. I mean, it's got to happen, right? And the, Abbott's got a 15 minute test now. You put the whole roster through the test right before the game starts you televise the whole well, we're I'm yeah. talking about 50,000 I'm talking about 50,000 in a stadium I'm not talking well, about yeah. the games that won't happen yeah 
So I'm talking, I'm, talking, I'm talking about people going to conferences, right. partying, mm-hmm. concerts, stadiums, all this stuff. I think we're going to put our life on pause. You know what happens when you put your life on pause when you're a soft society? Like we're a very soft, spoiled society, right? Would we agree with that right now, 2020? You do that for a year. Could you imagine the rubber band effect that we have in 2000, mid, mid, call it mid 2021 through 2022? Mm-hmm. We are people going to be so unleashed. And by the way, because it's the whole world winning together, you have this element, I think, of travel where people are going to be joyous to travel together to visit other places, to welcome people that are foreigners that are playing for the first time in a long time, right? And I, I think I, you're going to see a, tra- yeah. a travel boom. In certain places, visitors are kind of frowned upon, right? And tourists are frowned upon. But once that revenue goes away and your economy is suffering, you're going to want those people to come in. And so you're going to be, you're going to open welcome arms. People are going to realize what they're doing for the economy. So they're going to be happy to spend. I think, uh, I think it could be a good situation. And so travel, hospitality. Could you imagine the, you know what people did, Dave, back in the, in the roaring twenties, culture, dance, music were really big, yes. right? Like or, that was, those are big. It, it, it was the, a new era in music and, and radios and people were just partying. And even though we were in the middle of prohibition, bootlakers were making their fortune. Speakeasies became a thing. And I don't see that a speakeasy situation happening anytime soon because <laughs> who wants to uh, go unless you, you, you've seen what they're doing in like Asia, uh, you know, in, in Korean stuff. They, the restaurants and bars are turning into like these office cubicle kind of farms where people can go in and they're 10 feet apart from the next table. Your restaurant is going to have a hard time until uh, you start putting on dividers. And, and even, even yeah. in, before we have a vaccine, you're going to probably open up. They're going to lift the, uh, the prohibition on restaurants, but you're still going to have a hard time filling your table. But I don't want to get caught up in that because I want to see beyond it. Yes. I want to see past it. I'm fast forwarding beyond it, okay? So this is post-vaccine, people. Post-vaccine, listen, we might not get a vaccine. I did a lot of research on vaccines over the last couple days, and it's not a given. It's not a given that we're going to get this next spring. But I think I'm going to throw a percentage out there, 85%, maybe 90% late spring will have a vaccine that works. It's not 100%, but that's my opinion. But post-vaccine, fashion, guys, fashion clothing, uh, alcohol, travel, music, culture, sports, joyous sports, right? All this yep. stuff is going to come back with a vengeance. I think this, we're going to start making our predictions right now. You can tell me what you think. My prediction is Las Vegas and Macau have the biggest year to two-year period in the history of Macau and or Vegas. And for that reason, I'm just going to put out my pick right now. What was my number one short before this all started in February? Before anybody shorted anything, at 138 bucks a share, whatever, 140 a share, whatever it was at. Yep. I went all in and shorted Win Casinos. Okay. Uh, I shorted at very the very top is when I started shorting Win. Guess what I bought this week? I think I bought it at like I can't believe how high it is. I bought it at like 40. Eight, or I think, or 48 or 50, I think. 50. Maybe it was a little higher than that, but I thought it was yeah, a you, lot You got in a little before I did. I got in at, uh, I have to check. I got in at 60. So I probably got in the mid, mid-50s. I probably got in the mid-50s because um, I got in, I think, the day before you got in. But 
Uh, I got in reasonably heavy, not super heavy, but reasonably heavy. I just bought straight up stock and win. Yeah. Um, right. We talked about this. We talked about it on the on the show at, when we were buying it, uh, and it was at the time. You know, we were also thinking that this is a stock that is too big for China to let fail because of the amount of revenue that it brings to their industry. Yeah. Um, but also the Vegas version of when, when we hit this new roaring twenties and it, who knows, is it 2021? Is it 2022? Is it 2023? When is going to come back and, and be roaring. Here's the problem though. When I think when is closed for the entire year, I don't think when you can even do any business in 2020. Like I think yeah. they're going to get crushed so hard. There might be an opportunity for us to go in and pick up shares of win cheaper than they are were even earlier this week, right? But yep. I don't care. I want to get my initiate, I want to get my core position built in win now. If it goes, if it goes down again, I'm fine with that. I'll double down on win in the 30s. Okay. If it gets yep, down that's there, my 30s, plan. If, if it gets down to 30, I'm buying more. <laughs> yeah. But Otherwise, I'm just holding on to my 60s. I do think that they will raise the money they need to raise to survive this. I do think they have the ability on their debt levels. It's not going to be easy, but I think they can probably pull it off, raise a little more debt, keep their casinos closed, get their cash burned down, furlough their employees, and, and make it through to kind of a close enough, close enough to the spring that the banks will be like, you know what? You guys are so close to the biggest turnaround ever. We're going to lend you what you need just to patch you through. I don't think the equity is going to get crushed. I could be wrong. And so win casinos, that's kind of one of my, that's like kind of my core roaring 2020s pick. Um, there's a bunch of others. Well, Jordan, I know you have one that I'm, I, I just bought five minutes before this episode, way later than you, unfortunately. But what was the one you got, Jordan, that we've talked about? Oh, you're talking about booking? Yeah. Yeah. And that was another short. I shorted booking at 2100 bucks a share, I think, right? Or 2000, right around 2000, 2100 bucks. I was shorting them. And now they're at 1400, which is way higher than they were a couple weeks ago at 11, 1200. Um, but I bought them five minutes before the show. Dave, Jordan, when did you buy them? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at my dates. Um... So he, here's what's fascinating about Booking Booking is a company that has the cash. To survive this, right? That's the thing. That's why people love booking. They have the cash to survive this. They are the world's largest, basically more or less the world's largest booking engine for, for travel. They also own what HomeAway and VRBO, which I think will be one of the first to come out of this because people might feel more comfortable getting houses before they're traveling on airplane, you know, uh, airplanes and, and hotel rooms. But booking, I think, I could see them trading well above 2000 during the roaring 2020s, right, guys? <laughs> Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I would see my family would definitely do like a drive VRBO type um, vacation before we go do a fly, you know, uh, you know, stay at a hotel type vacation here in the next like, you know, whenever we get out of this lockdown in the next few months, I could see us doing something like that. Dave, do you have anything you love as far as the roaring 2020s? So I'm a little bit thinking that the comp the companies that I want to be in before a roaring 2020s are going to still be the companies that I want to be in. Like the, the my favorite stock of all time, Amazon, I think will continue to roar in the 20s. I think that we're going to see, we're going to see people are so 
accustomed to having their groceries delivered to them by Amazon. They're so accustomed to now just buying their athleisure wear on Amazon instead of the more expensive. I know you guys are both a fan of Lulu, but does anyone really need Lulu when you have the Amazon Basics brand of uh, sweatpants? Yes, you need Lulu. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. The Amazon Basics sweatpants will not work for Lulu shoppers. I think, that, I think that Disney is going to be a survivor and going to thrive in the 20s because not only do they have things that are great for the stay-at-home economy, Disney Plus uh, announced their 50 million subscriber mark, I think, yesterday. Huge, huge, huge. Even though they don't have movie theaters or amusement parks or anything going for them right now, they have that and they're going to have sports. And I think that they are going to just fly once this vaccine comes out. Everyone's going to want to go back to a theme park. Do you know what else they have, Dave? What else that's are they coming have? out? That's coming out right in time for the roaring 2020s. They have three brand new Disney cruise ships coming out for the Roaring 2020s. Just in time. Cruisers got a cruise. I also cruise think that, that that you mentioned it earlier. I think that the uh, the alcohol stocks, the uh, Constellation brands, the Anheuser-Busch's, those are going to like completely blow up once people are allowed to go to bars and, and are in party mode again. By the way, we talked about this. I think their sales are getting hit dramatically right now, obviously, even though everyone says they're up, up, up at home, and they are up from home purchase. But I think they're getting destroyed because of the restaurants being and the bars being closed and the clubs being closed and the sporting events being closed. But I bought Constellation Brands. It's not that cheap, by the way. It's only down like 15 18%, something like that, from its highs. Yeah, it's not that cheap. cut production of a few of their beer lines, I think. Um yeah, so but they have good beer lines that are, by the way, are all trending up through yeah. this. Like the Mexican beer, you know, we're in Texas and Modelo has been big for a long time, a couple of years now, two, three years. It's been huge. Did you realize that like Modelo's not, they're just starting to like really penetrate the rest of North America in a big way. So like they have the brands in beer that are yeah. like the new hot brands nationally for beer, and that will continue. Because, you know, hey, what's better when you're partying and you're thinking, even if you can't get to a beach and you want to party and have fun, than Mexican beer, right? Yeah, yeah beer. with a lime. Um, and with your thesis there is there's no good Mexican food restaurants outside of the South. So, you know, that's what they yeah. really well. We'll have to, we'll have to export some of our Mexican food to the northern. Everybody in the north, we're sorry you guys aren't able to experience our Mexican food. It's amazing. Now, one thing I, I want to get your opinion on both of you, the ones I'm trying to stay away from, airlines. I That's not an industry that I wanted to be in before all of this happened. I think they're going to have a really hard time. I think that they will survive. They're going to limp along, and then they're going to be fine. But I don't think I want to be in them. And then also the hotels. Can I tell you, Dave, something about airlines? I have, I have two thoughts on this. I do want to be in airlines for the roaring 2020s. I do. And I hate airlines, but I don't think I'm at risk of not surviving until the, we get to the roaring 2020s. That's why I'm not. That's why I'm still shorting American Airlines, even though that short has not worked out well for me over the past week. Uh, I probably will go a little even more short today on American Airlines. I was thinking about that this morning. I would love to be in some of these airlines post bankruptcy just prior to the roaring 2020s. But I, I honestly yeah. don't know. I Listen, as, as positive as I am 
on mid 2021 and beyond, I am equally that negative on 2020. And I don't want to be in companies that I think could fail. That's why I, well, I love the cruise. Cruise is going to cruise. And I'm still in my Royal Caribbean calls. <laughs> I actually, you know, I bought Royal Caribbean in the mid 30s. Okay. Yeah. I'm keeping my Royal Caribbean stock for now. Um, but I, there's like half of me that's a little worried that Royal Caribbean might not come out of this in time. So yeah. like I'm, I'm kind of 50-50 there. The airlines, there's like 80% of me it's thinking that American Airlines is going to go bankrupt before the Roaring Twenties twenty start. So I'm short the airlines right now, planning to potentially go long on them if they have a restructuring, right, at some point this year. That, that's my thought on the airlines. Yeah, I don't see too much good news happening for the airlines in the next 6 to 12 months. By the way, can I just say something of thought that I had on when that really pisses me off? Yeah. Is that uh, Steve Wynn, I, you know how, how much I love Steve Wynn. I mean, minus all the stuff, right? The stuff that happened the last few years, which is terrible. Um, by the way, he was just acquitted of the big one, like the big, uh, a few, literally three weeks ago, uh, he won in court. And it was, it was deemed that that person who was charging him, uh, it was all falsified. The whole thing was just false. I don't know that he's a good guy, really, when it comes to how he treats women, but uh, I love Steve when, in terms of he was a visionary for Las Vegas, an absolute visionary, a genius. And now that Maddox took over, he was the CFO. He graduated with us, with me from SMU, uh, right around the same time I graduated. And good for him. He's making a crazy amount of money as CEO of Win <laughs> oh, now. Sure. And I don't have a relationship with him. I don't talk. I know people that know him, but I don't talk to him. He's an accountant. He was the CFO. He's not a visionary. I'm sorry. Mitch Maddox is not a visionary, and I'm concerned that they opened that Boston property, the Encore Boston Harbor. I spent hours reading through reviews of that hotel, and people hate it. Like, they just hate it. It doesn't feel right. They basically recreated Encore in Vegas in Boston, but it's just not – doesn't quite gel right. They've made a lot of mistakes. It's kind of cold in a lot of ways, and people – it just doesn't – it doesn't seem to be working. The average Yelp review or TripAdvisor review, it's a three and a half star or like three star, three and a half star. Um, it's not good. But I don't necessarily want to be in win long term. I want to be in win going into the roaring 2020s when that stock is going to pop and have the short squeeze, hopefully, mm -hmm. of our lifetime. Yeah. And then I, I don't believe in win as a long term company anymore. Like I, It's not a company I want to be in for the next five years. No, you want to be in it for this pop that's going to happen yeah. in the 20s and then be done with it and never never look back yeah it's a company that i just i feel like their, their best days of innovation a macau what they did everything is a little bit behind them they're kind of you know they kind of had this model and they're just they're just squeezing it dry like we're going to do a boston hotel let's just recreate something that looks identical to the encore and just yeah. stick it in the harbor in boston it's by the way they it's own not a lot of real this is this is interesting people don't realize this they win the one thing about win is they own almost all of their real estate, okay? Do you know what that means? That means that if they need to, if they're running low on funds, they can sell the real estate that they sit on in Vegas and sell the real estate they have. I think they own the Boston one as well. Yeah. And they can, they can generate, I've read, they can generate between three and five and a half billion dollars of cash selling that real estate. Now, then they have to start leasing the real estate from whoever they sell it to, which is no big deal. They'll sell it with a long-term loan, right? A 30-year yeah. loan, 40, 50-year loan locked in. But that—that that is 
that's interesting because it means they can raise cash they need to. Let's talk about real estate a little bit more because last week we were very negative on the idea of commercial real estate, uh, residential apartment buildings. We have a we're actually and, and kind of forgot that we're actually involved in that. Um, we we own a very small part of a class A apartment building here in Dallas. And we were talking to the developers of that this week and their ability to collect rent and how this whole thing has impacted them. We're actually in, in a class A building, not seeing difficulty in collecting rent, at least in this first month. And so let's talk about what we've done since hearing that class A is, you know, there's, there's still this question. We, we I don't have much information to th even base what class B and C type rental properties would be doing, but if the class A people are continuing to pay their bills and this continues and we see that some of these REITs in the uh, rental property space have been crushed, cut in half, we're seeing that those dividend yields have doubled. Yeah, Dave, um, just so you know, like they they must have, what, 350 units in that building, something like that. Yeah. And I think they had under 10 tenants that they had to talk to about rent and help them with their rent and talk, work out plans with them. Yeah. I think 90% just paid. And then I think 10 are trying to work out a plan. That's amazing. So guys, it looks like class A luxury residential, multifamily residential, based on a small amount of research that we have. Listen, the great thing about Dallas is we're a highly representative city. We're not like New York or LA and we're not a random fourth tier city. We're fairly representative of most of America. So a lot of things we see here, we can make pretty good judgment calls on them. But if that's representative of what's happening in the rest of the country, Class A, uh, class A luxury rental multifamily <coughs> might be okay. So what do we buy, Dave? Yeah. You guys bought something. I bought so something. So we, uh, we literally went on Google and we're searching for luxury rental REIT. Like that's that's how we get started. Just people want to know our methodology. The reality is Google. we Google it. And uh, I found a whole listing of here's a bunch of them. And we start just clicking around and and then we dig deeper. The one that uh, that I think, you got into one, and then we both got into another. Blue Rock Residential Growth REIT is one that was trading around 12, got cut down to four, and now it's around six. This is concentrated in Class A apartment buildings. They are in a bunch of markets that are you know, similar to Dallas. I, I don't think they actually have any in Dallas, but it seems like the right kind of mix of... Um, of locations. They have a lot in Houston, uh, some in the suburbs of Dallas, Arizona, Florida, all like they don't, they're not in the Northeast, right? You know, but, but they're in all like the, uh, what do they call it? They're focused on states that have workers that are, you know, information economy workers, which is great. You know, they're not looking for tenants who are like service workers who are impacted most deeply by this. I kind of liked what I read about them, but to be honest, we, we have to just we didn't do a tremendous amount of due diligence here. We're just kind of, we're not throwing a lot of money in. It's a very small trade for us. A very small trade, but it's just, it's the kind of thing that as a speculative trade, here's here's uh, their website showing some of their properties, Charlotte, North Carolina, Boca Raton, Florida, Houston, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Orlando, Florida. These are, these are good markets that if you're in, 
if you're not in the service industry and you're not being impacted as much and you're able to keep your job and, and you're able to uh, keep paying your rent, there's no reason for this to be cut in half. And what, what did we see yesterday? Their, their dividend yield um, is 11, like at 11 or 11, 12. Over, over 11, like 11 and a half percent. So listen, here's the, the problem with the REIT like this is they're very small. Yes. So there's not very a lot of stability. Liquid. Like when I, when I placed my trade, the stock went up this morning. Yeah. And, and not only that, but there's not a lot of liquidity in the underlying management team's ability to raise cash if they need to, if they run into a problem. Because just because everybody paid their rent this month doesn't mean they're going to pay it next month or the month after that. So it is a risky investment. No, because absolutely. The, these guys don't have access to capital markets like some of the bigger REITs do. And that's why this REIT got punished probably more than the others because they're not liquid. They don't have access to capital markets like some of the bigger REITs. And they're not even part of the REIT ETF system. So like, it's it's really, I, this is a riskier REIT for sure. It's what a riskier the other one REIT. that you got into? It, it was also- Now they're bigger, riskier. they're way bigger. They're like the one of the biggest REITs. It's the UDR, Union Dominity Trust, UDR. Right. Uh, they're not paying nearly as high as a dividend, but for a kind of a class A residential REIT, it, it, they appear to be more stable at least. So listen, we just bought a couple of them. Like I said, you know, we bought a, a hospital REIT. We bought an infrastructure communications REIT last week. Um, I'm done with REITs, guys. I don't even want to talk <laughs> about REITs. Ever. I don't want to talk about REITs ever again because it's not exciting for me. It's not interesting. But I felt like we had some good information based on one of our private investments. And we why not trade, you know, why not figure out a trade based on our local knowledge? Uh, I felt like I did it now. It's done. <laughs> Look at this. Your uh, UDR is up seven uh, percent UDR today. is going insane today. Great job, Chris. Congrats. Yeah, yeah that, that that one's good. I might sell out of that really soon. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I, I would consider it. Do you got listen? I do not want to be in a REIT at the end. By the end of this year, I want to be out of all these REITs because they're just it's not my style of investing at all. No, but, but I still I still do like my uh, my radio tower. Uh, play because I think that that's my 5G real estate kind of thing, and I and I still like that. The thing Agreed. is, is it going to grow? Like, are they going to add more cell sites, or are they just going to be using existing cell towers and the existing contracts? So I just don't I think, see growth there. But yeah, if you want, some I think as 5G rolls out more, they're going to have to grow. They're going to have to add more, and you know they already are positioned well for a 5G rollout. But that's that's just a technology that's going to continue to expand, and they're going to need more locations. And by the way, because they're leaders in it, they have access to be able to raise capital because people know that they know what they're doing. They already have. See, it's all about relationships. They have the relationships to license those deals. They yeah. have the, they have a system put in place that's scalable. So you're not going to have a hundred different you know communication reads because these guys actually know what they're doing. They can scale out operations, which is nice. It's a nice five you play. That that was Tower, Dave. Is that the one you're talking um, no, about? No, I got into Crown Castle, and I think you were in Tower, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. I'm CCI Crown Castle International, um, and I'm I'm up, I'm up three thousand dollars today. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, someone, by the way, someone said, uh, where, where is it? Uh, KCC at eleven thirty four said EQR is a good look for Class A apartment exposure. I think I might have taken a quick look at that one. I just didn't spend enough time on this to, to assess all the different luxury uh, class A REITs for residential. I didn't. Yeah. I kind of the whole either. process was 
was just I hated the process of researching well, REITs. It's like, and you 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 actually started digging into their financials and looking at their balance sheet, and you had a question, and then, and then I dug into their financials. This is not the kind of research we like to do. We're we are not like analysts. We don't we don't. I mean, we know how to read a balance sheet and try to figure out why they're uh, coming in with negative earnings per share and that sort of thing. But it's not. We, we're more about the story and. Yeah, the, the, the underlying narrative and the cultural shift to kind of steal uh, our good friend Howard Lindzen's uh, tagline for, for investing for joy and profit. There is no joy in researching uh, financials of residential REITs. So <laughs> I'm, I'm out of it. Uh, okay, guys, uh, Jordan, so what you, you picked up some booking.com. William Pan wants to know, 1131. You got some booking.com. Have you done anything else? I've done a few other things this week I want to talk about. Have you done anything else this week based on the fact that we think the worst case scenario short term is off the table in that we've the flattening has already happened? We're now kind of get, you know, we, that's out of the way. Anything that you've done? No. So basically, I'm, I'm still doing the same thing, right? So I've got cash. I think this run up could just as easily run back down. Um, and so I'm getting ready to put on a big short, I think, like down if it happens. Um, you know, I think that now that, you know, the the virology has kind of taken place and should start to go down, we're still not just going to so, open up next week. And uh, As Jordan's putting on a short, Chris is going even more long. That is, that is I love the psychology of this yeah. market. Right. And so, like, I'm letting it play out. I think people are going to start to realize what the impact was. Maybe we see another dip. Maybe I can buy there. Maybe I can ride that dip with some shorts. And that's my that's my plan. Uh, I I have not heard Jordan say the word short. I don't think at least yeah. in the last ten years, and that's crazy to me. Um, I, I, he's not necessarily wrong though, because the market certainly. I think the market is right to do what it did this last week in terms of lifting up based on all the data that we're seeing. It does seem like we're pushing the limits, right, short term of yeah. how far this market can get stretched out. And so I have to say, for someone who has a really long portfolio right now, which is me, I am starting to put on some hedges again. I put on a hedge too early, but that's okay. I put on a hedge uh, uh, two days ago, and I kept that hedge. It's a very small hedge. I bought SPY puts that expire conventional monthly puts the month of May. Uh, they were basically at the money. It's, it costs about $130,000 for that hedge. Your it's, internet was breaking up. I think you said that you put on a uh, traditional short on the SPY. Is that right? No, yeah. I, I actually bought some, May some put options. Okay. May put options. But but listen, this is a very small, a small little hedge on my portfolio. It's probably less than a 10% hedge. So, and I'm, remember, I'm 120% long, 125% long. So the reality is I'm still like 105% long right now. Yeah. Um, I'm considering increasing that hedge over the course of the next few weeks because the market seems, it feels a little stretched here, and I just feel like I need to, but at the same time, I don't see myself hedging more than 20, 30, 40%. So you're here. in margin with a hedge on a super long portfolio. Yes. Do you think that we see a trend where if you do your research on the 1920s, margin was just 
inter it was just invented and people and they had crazy rules there was no there was no fed you know it was it was all there was no sec at the time uh and people were able to go like 80 90% margin like put down 10% and borrow the rest um, do, you, do uh, you see the 2020s turning into a a thing where more retail investors are going into crazy margin like you do? So there, yes. You can't, right? So you can't be over 150. Not crazy margin, like, but but actually going into margin and paying yes. interest 50. percent I think that the roaring 220, the, the roaring 2020s is going to come with a period of investing that will push the markets well into new highs. I think a big piece of that is going to be the psychology of investors knowing that the government was willing to essentially backstop investors. And even in the absolute worst case scenario of a global pandemic that had to shut down the entire globe, the worst case scenario, the market bottomed at, let's call it 35% off its all-time highs. Now, we could retest that and go lower. That, that could happen. But if it doesn't, um, I think once we recover, get a vaccine next year, I think people are going to be margining their money because now that that's behind us, again, the joyous nature of being post-pandemic with a vaccine, being able to travel, investing in innovation and in, 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 in global economies, I think will push the market to new highs. And I think a lot of that is going to be on margin because people are not going to have the concern that it's just going to fall apart because, oh, the government will just backstop us, right or wrong. I'm not saying it's the right thing to do. I'm not saying I even like it. I'm not saying it's not going to have horrific repercussions for us. Remember what happened at the end of the last Roaring Twenties? Nine years of economic boom ended in the Great Depression. It could happen again. It could happen yeah, I again. I think it was more of, it, was, not, it was the six-month or six-year bull market. Um, but, yeah, it ended with uh, – well, because 2020 started – or 1920 was the beginning of a depression, and it wasn't until 2015 that the stock market started its massive upswing. Yeah, but 1929 is when we had the great crash and then crash the, the real depression, depression hit after that. So uh, so um, I'm not thinking that far in advance. But yes, in the, in the inter intermediate future, I think we're going to see a lot of margin buying next year, not this year. And that will push us to new highs. Uh, so we, well, let's, let's just look at some questions. I, I see that uh, we have a question... Uh, looking at the S&P 500, it looks like it's going to drop during Easter. What do you think will happen for the next four days? We have, we have, a, long, we have a long weekend. I have the perfect answer to that. You ready for it? Yes. You ready for it? I don't know. <laughs> and it is so refreshing for someone who's in a talking head box on the internet to actually say, I don't know. Because well, don't, knows, you, right? can't, you can't time the market. We can have some good news. Um, now that we're starting to see things kind of dip down. Um, I think our potential for a really bad news weekend is, you know, the, the chances are getting lower. Now, what's that going to do to the market on Monday? Who knows? Who yeah, knows? Jordan, that's right. So like, let's, let's just, instead of trying to hypothesize based on thin air, why don't we do what we preach? Yeah. Talk about scenarios. What are all the scenarios that could unravel over the course of this three-day weekend that would either cause the market to drop big on Monday or to go up big on Monday. Yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, all right, Jordan, would you agree that, because you're so on top of these, of these, of this data coming out of states and the, and the uh, transmission data and the death rate data, 
it's it's almost a, it's almost a known fact that the date is going to get better between now and Monday, right? I mean, something weird can happen, but wouldn't you well, tend to agree? Yeah, I think anything can happen, but I think the odds are that we're going to continue to see a, a slow decline. Okay, got it. So, so that that's one of our drivers. The other big driver is oil. Uh, do, we don't know what's going to happen with oil. The, the rumor is that they reached a deal in this meeting today. That's the rumor: twenty million barrel a day uh, drop in, in production. But that could fall apart between now and the end of the weekend, right? And if that does, yeah. if that falls apart, huge negative. That would be catastrophic for the market on Monday morning, right? But what if it doesn't fall apart? And, and it's probably at this point, it seems like they might be more likely to get a deal done because they kind of have to. Um, that would be a positive going going into the uh, weekend. Now, the other thing, which would be our third driver we keep talking about, is the economics of now. Like, what is act, what's going to change in terms of the economics of these companies that are reporting things, good and bad, and everything in between? It seems like we've got a little bit of that this week and companies are basically coming out and they have the formula down. And the formula is we did really good uh, right up until this happened. We were killing it. This happened. We're crushed. We're not even going to talk about how bad we're doing. Yeah. No, we're not going to talk about it. Yeah. So they're not even going to give the market any reason to punish them because the excuse is there to say, I don't want to talk about it. We, we're not going to talk about it. We're, we're not. We don't have a uh, guidance. We're not doing guidance. By the way, no, neither is anyone else. So you can't blame us for that. So do you see anything really negative when it comes to the economic conditions of now for companies between now and Monday? Anything more terrible than what we've already seen and priced into the market? I don't see that news coming out. I, I'm, I'm kind of neutral to long. Yeah. And my portfolio is 100% long. I, I don't have any short hedge right now. Yeah, like okay. I'm not buying a short for over the weekend unless something crazy happens in the next three hours. But um, like I said, I'm just sitting, waiting by in place in case something happens, you know, next week or, or the week afterwards. So let's dig, can we dig even a little bit deeper? There is one scenario that I think could be a huge negative that could potentially pop up. Uh, and that would be, this is, I, this keeps me up at night. Uh, China, uh, in the event that we start to see, uh, I already saw one little rumor of a town, a small city north of Wuhan that is closer to Russia, where they supposedly have a little tiny outbreak that they're trying to control right now. We could potentially get some early signals of a little tiny outbreak in China that could freak out the market. I don't think it's going to happen over the next three days, yeah. uh, but it could theoretically. And that's something that we need to look out for. We need to watch out for because that would be for the market, right? Did uh did did a new uh, unemployment number come out today? I see Ron Jones. It already came it out. Already six, came out. I think it was just over six million. Yeah, six million ish, right? So it, done. I mean, it's done. I think the market expects unemployment to just keep going up. It's it's I think kind of priced in. Yep. Uh, 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 agreed. Oh, and I just oil saw production com- being reduced as well. I saw a comment I got a reply to, uh, Lisa Autry at 1126. She says, Athleta is better than Lulu. Okay, Lisa, I, I spent a tremendous amount of time uh, studying the, the, the culture and consumer behavior of uh, yoga pants and the people that buy them in this type of clothing, right? Athleisure clothing. I will not debate that with you. Athleta is fantastic, fantastic brand. People love it, but... The entire sector of athleisure, which 
boomed and then everyone thought it kind of flattened out. I think we're going to see a reemergence of that sector stronger than ever because of people are getting so used to wearing this stuff now, right? I mean, it, it's quarantine at home. Everyone wants to be comfortable. Um, Lulu is a become a cult stock in itself, a cult company. You can't stop the Lulu train. It, nothing against Athleta. They can both do great. They can both do great. Athleta could do wonderful, and Lulu could do even better. What's fascinating about Lulu is that unlike Athleta, they're really doubling down on menswear, and they are killing it with men's right now, and they're also going global in a really big way. So there's so much runway for Lulu ahead of it because Athleta, let it do amazing. You're going to have your people that buy Athleta. You know what else does great? People love my, – my wife loves uh, – there's a new sweatpants at Target that she's obsessed with, right, that just came out recently. And so, like, people love getting stuff from every type of store. Um, but Lulu, you're not going to stop that train, in my opinion. And I, they think, I think they can both succeed. So uh, – and, and Athleta is what? Yeah, that's, that's Gap, right? Yeah, yeah. And so is that, is that going to move the needle for Gap – uh, uh, you also can. have a bunch of. Do, do you see people can uh, going back to stores or shopping online? I, those those brands, I think, you know, they they have kind of across the spectrum brands that that do cover, you know, hey, everyone. Hey, nothing against them. I'm going with the market leader, Lulu, because they have a plan. They can execute on that plan. I love the plan. It's all about men. It's all about global. I think they're going to kill it the next five years. Uh, hey, Athleta! I buy my wife Athleta. I buy myself Lulu. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, by the way, Jordan, and they could both do great, right? Yeah. They could both do great. So, what else you got here, guys? In comments, I, I want to talk about at some point. I want to talk about Amazon a little more. Oh, here's uh. So Lulu is has recovered more than than Gap. Just yep. By the way. Yeah, because Gap Gap is a lot more than Athleta, and Gap has some other issues. I, I think they rely more on in-store visits. I think to some extent, Lulu people are so passionate about; it, they'll go online and buy it. They'll they'll, they'll get it. So, uh, can we just talk a little bit more about Amazon? Because I, I know we do this every show, guys. But Amazon earnings are coming up, and I think two weeks away now. Uh, we had a subscriber who tweeted at us. He's been pulling G-Trend graphs, which are really cool. Like he, He's going a little bit deeper than we've gone on the show. One of the things he's pulled is a G-Trend graph of like Amazon login, which is it's kind, Amazon login is a good one, guys. It's a good one because it's, it's people that are actually looking to log into their Amazon account. It's pretty consistent with just the standard Amazon tag of Amazon. But man, these the search traffic on Amazon is so insane right now. This even the search traffic on AWS, uh, it is. I think they're going to crush it at earnings in two weeks. Okay, absolutely crush it. So here's here's Nolan's uh, tweet. Yeah, and here's uh, the screenshot that he sent us. Let's see if I can make that bigger for you guys. And, and so I, you know, you know, remember when I doubled down on Amazon a couple months ago and then I tripled down on Amazon like a couple weeks ago? Well, I have now quadrupled down on Amazon pre-earnings. I did it in a smart How do you even do that? That is so expensive. Well, no, I'm doing it in a way that costs me a little less every time. So 
I, I doubled my Amazon shares. That's, that's expensive. But then I have the 1,800 calls, which is a lot less expensive. Mm-hmm. I bought the 2,000 calls, which were pretty cheap. They were like yeah. 45 bucks or something like that. Uh, so I bought, you know, a hundred, a hundred of those or 10 of those where it's 50, basically almost $50,000, but it is a lot less than buying, uh, $2 million of Amazon stock. <laughs> okay. So, so basically for $50,000, you get 2 million bucks of stock for a week. Now is, I bought it. Back to our, our olden days of trading when we used to buy way more stock than we could afford using options. Yes. Uh, now, granted, I need Amazon to go up 20 bucks for me to break even even on it, but okay, it's gone up 10 bucks since I bought it. I need to go up another 13 bucks, 15 yep. bucks. But uh, I think I bought it at the expired, which is interesting. I, it was too expensive to buy the ones that expire after earnings. My thesis, right or wrong, I hope that people are going to start to get conviction in Amazon pre-earnings. And maybe we get a drive up uh, into Amazon earnings, you know, in the week prior. If it happens happens this week, I want to be heavier Amazon going to earnings. This is, you know, I can't find anything that's a negative on Amazon other than increased cost of labor, which is kind of a big deal. But I have a portfolio company, as you guys know, uh, that's a private company that sells products on Amazon. There's a whole bunch of companies that they have that sell products on Amazon, okay? And we got a report this week uh, basically showing that their sales on Amazon, and I don't believe they sell any CPG, they don't sell any like food products, are up over 50%. So if they're, and that's in a month. So if their sales are up over 50%, just selling a bunch of products on Amazon in a month, like month over month, um, to me, that is a really strong signal of just the e-commerce business that Amazon is doing. Now, I also want to highlight one other data point, and that's Costco. What, what, what news uh, came out today to make Amazon down when the market is up? Or is it just- uh, I don't think it, I don't know. I know I know uh, Bezos was going and touring factories with a camera behind him and, and Whole Foods. I didn't see any news. I checked it this morning. That seemed that's not a, a that's not a meaningful move. I think people listen. Amazon's up so much. A lot of the stocks that are up today, Dave, are kind of the poor performers, not not the leaders, from what yeah. I can tell. Yeah. The, so and that- the only thing I see is uh, that Amazon initially was up and now it's down. FedEx and UPS were up because Amazon is suspending its U.S. shipping service. Yeah, and that was, and the that was yesterday. Testing, and that was yesterday. Yeah. So 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 there's no there's no there's no real news there. But let me talk about Costco. Costco had earned, they came out with earnings information yesterday. And what they said was that, you know, their business was not up as much as people anticipated. It was only up like, I don't know, same store sales were up like 10%, 11%. I think the market was thinking they'd be up 20%. That was a little surprising. Yeah. Um, but what was up a lot, what was up a lot was Costco.com e-commerce. That was up. I think I want to say like 48% or 42%, 40 something percent. Now what's fascinating about that is Costco's online business is a very small fraction of their overall business. So that good news was not enough to help Costco stock. 
okay? But it is a really interesting data point for Amazon, who is a near almost 100% e-commerce, right? Yeah. So it, imagine, just imagine if Amazon comes out and shows a 40% plus increase in just straight up e-commerce business, which is is a bit, the level that I'm seeing in the private company I'm invested in that sells exclusively on Amazon, uh, as well as uh, what Costco's seeing in their e-commerce business. So that is yet another really positive Amazon data point, which is building my conviction level to want to go quad long on my Amazon position, which is getting so big now, it's kind of insane. So, uh, <laughs> at some point, you may just sell everything else you own and just be an Amazon only portfolio. You you are known to have like ninety percent of your net worth in a single stock at a single uh, time. You are the least diversified investor I know. Dave, you're talking about Chris Camillo of like eight nine years ago. Okay, <laughs> so uh, these days it's very hard to find me with more than thirty five or forty percent of my portfolio in one stock, but it does happen. I have yeah. been at forty percent concentration recently, so <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try not to do that again. Um, but certainly that that can happen. The, the days of me being 90% or even 100% of my entire 20-year life savings in a single <laughs> position, those days, since I had kids, those days are over. I have a family to make sure I can pay for now. But 30%, that could happen. So um, let's now, we've, we've, we've been on for an hour. Let's go uh, and just roll through as many questions as we can. And we did have some uh some leftover from last week that we wanted to address. And it looks like Nathaniel's asking us, uh, have we talked about FLIR yet? I love that company as a service technician and in VA, all the government guys use their cameras for home security systems. What is, you, you did research on that, right, Chris? Yes, I did. I promise I wouldn't, I did. And here's, here's, the, here's the end result. I was not researching FLIR as a company. I was researching the extent to which FLIR could benefit from thermal imaging of temp basically temperature checks of people. If the government mandates temperature checks of every workplace, of every restaurant, of every, all the airports, right? Would FLIR be the obvious company to manufacture those temperature check machines and, and it could impact meaningfully their business? And I came to the result of no, it cannot. Uh, FLIR is actually a really big company. They have billions of dollars in revenue. Uh, they have government contracts. They, they do all kinds of things with really interesting technology. Great company, right? But I don't think if we went to temperature checks, I think they're likely just to be some sort of thermometer made by another company, not FLIR. It might be made by FLIR, but even if FLIR gets a lot of those contracts, I think it's overkill, first of all, so I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think we need that type of technology for, for restaurants to be scanning people. We could just use a $50 thermometer or a $20 thermometer. And so I don't think FLIR is going to benefit. And even if they did get a little bump from it, it wouldn't be a needle mover for the company. So I'm not investing in clear uh, as a play uh, post-pandemic or maybe mid-pandemic uh, going back to life play where everyone has to take temperatures all the time. I don't think that's the right trade. That said, it might be the greatest company in the world, but I'm not, I'm not, I don't have time to research them beyond this one aspect. 
This, this is a uh, good question from Tim White, and uh, time for you guys to uh, pull up your portfolios and sort by uh, dollar amount or percentage. How diverse are your portfolios right now? I know you said you're, it's usually around five big stocks. What does that look like right now? And I pulled up mine. Um, it's the most diverse it's ever been. It ever is been. more diverse than usual, but I am still 33% Amazon, 10% Apple, 6% Teladoc, uh, 5% Google and 5% Shopify, 2% Microsoft and everything else is under 1%. Yeah. I don't own more than 3% of anything. Um, I'm, I'm going to guesstimate them about 35% Amazon and that, in, uh, not including the derivatives that essentially make Amazon even a bigger part of my portfolio. Uh, if, if you add in the, the options, but it's about 35% of my portfolio, and I'm comfortable with that. My my big play, my big stock, Shopify, is still, I think, about 7% of my portfolio is Shopify right now. Uh, really big. Apple, still pretty substantial. Probably 6 7% of my portfolio is Apple. And then I just have – I'm so – other than that, the other 50% of my portfolio, 40%, 50%, is pretty darn diversified relative yeah. to what it, to what it used to be. So, uh, you know, Disney's a pretty big position. This Tesla is a reasonably big position. I'm not even a Tesla guy. I'm just kind of riding the coattails of all you cult Tesla guys. That I know, <laughs> I know, you just can't wait to drive Tesla back up, and I'm not going to miss out on it this time. So, uh, I'm in it for that reason only. You know, I'm actually pretty heavy in uh, Lulu and, and Peloton uh, right now. Oh, DocuSign. We don't talk about DocuSign. DocuSign is one of my biggest. It's 5% of my portfolio, and it has been. It was is bigger now than it was before because the stock has done so well through this. DocuSign is like the ultimate pandemic play, but the stock never came down. It's trading basically at all-time highs, yeah. which, which is inc- incredible. I sold my DocuSign a while back and never got back in, but uh, that, oh, that, by is, the way, that is a stock that I like for the long term. I just don't happen to have any. App, Apple's like 14% of my portfolio now, bigger bigger than I uh, even even realized. Uh, you know, oh, you know a stock that I'm in that I bought for the, pan, the a pandemic play that I think I might sell is Starbucks. I mean, it's done really well. I bought Starbucks a few weeks ago at that low, but something that I saw was really worrisome to me. And so Starbucks is open most of their stores in China. Okay. But since reopening their business in China is only up like 40 something percent. So I'm starting to like think maybe Starbucks isn't because Starbucks is trading really high right now. They're not even down that much from all time highs. What's the value risk? It's not a risky trade, but are they? Is that really where I want my money? If if Starbucks reopens at some point in the summer, and they're off like sixty percent of their business for the rest of the year, shouldn't they be trading it maybe a little worse than twenty percent off their highs? I don't. It's just. Yeah. It's. I, I. I just. It's not one that excites me at these levels. Yeah. So I might. I might. And then you no, know, we have our. You know, we have our REITs and stuff like that. And I got a so, little Google. So another, I think, interesting thing, because we, the three of us are very different in the way we trade and the way we allocate our portfolios. And we, Jordan and I were talking about this before uh, we went on the air. 
I think it's interesting to see how much cash we each have. So I am about 25% cash, Jordan, 33% cash, and Chris, minus how what percent? What, how much in margin are you? Um, oh, I'm... That's weird. Um, it shows... Oh, wait. <laughs> oh, boy. Minus $4.3 million. <laughs> what yeah. is your interest? You, you did negotiate a lower interest rate on your margin, but how much is that costing you a month? Boy, that has really crept up. I didn't realize that until I just looked at it, <laughs> by the way. I, I got to reassess things after, after the You're show today. You're going to do some rebalancing. <laughs> Interesting point from uh, Ross Robinson. Costco, local Costco has non-food stacking up. The profit there is driven by mar uh, membership. Post-panic buying, I don't see people queuing up to sign up for memberships at Costco. That's that's an interesting thing to think about with that stock. Um, Nolan is uh, has commented, as soon as I clicked it, it went off my screen. These these comments move so fast. Okay, uh, my Google, so he's he's a uh, he's the one I believe who tweeted us earlier. He's in um, ad, uh, he's basically a marketing company. He, he helps uh businesses with their online advertising. He says his Google ad clients are seeing small year-over-year -year ad spend increases, but Amazon ad spends are up well over 50%, sometimes 100%, because Amazon is amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. Uh, what, what do you guys Thank think you. about? Yeah, that's uh, great intelligence. That's, yeah. That, that makes sense. I mean, might as well advertise on the one place that people are going and they need to go. What do you guys think about, oh, uh, what do you, uh, about designer brands like Ted Baker and designer brands in general, luxury brands, are we are we thinking that this time at home is when people are just sitting online on the Balenciaga website saying, yes, that $9,000 uh, headband looks amazing? Or are they um, cutting no, back? I, let, me, let me address that. You know I love my fashion trades. I've been, I, I I've been I'm that's obsessed. Why, that's why I picked this comment. <laughs> I'm obsessed <laughs> with fashion trades, guys. It's been a big part of my uh, trading history. My thesis here is that, you know, fashion changes, right? So I don't think people are going to spend a lot of money on, on uh, kind of designer fashion stuff because they might not get to wear it out uh, during a t until it's no longer – while it's still in, 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 on trend, right? So we don't know what the trends are going to be yet for next season. I think no one's going to buy what's in fashion right now if they can't wear it for five months or six months, because then they've missed the entire season. It just doesn't make any sense. So I would not personally, I want nothing to do with any of those. Now, Lululemon is like not even, and by the way, Lululemon is going to get crushed right now. You, we all know that their sales are going to get crushed, but the stock is down so much. It's kind of accounted for that. Um, I don't, it's less about fashion at Lululemon, right? It's, it's less about that. You just, well, you well, want, you, right? so like they're a fashion brand, but also yeah. you can wear it around your house and it's probably what. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm staying away from the fashion stuff right now because there is, there's no runway shows right now. I mean, there's no <laughs> nothing. It's no, like, and, and plus the fact that, that, that stuff is generally a little bit more formal. Uh, it's a little, you know, and, and no one's going to you those, don't have those types of things right now. So yeah, if you want to have something nice, you're just wearing it from the top up because all you're doing is Zoom conferences. Yeah, no one, no one's hitting the club, guys. No one's hitting like nice restaurants and like showing off their fashion. Or no one's going to events. By the way, most fashion is for events, whether it's local events, parties. Like none of that is happening. 
So there's a little sub conversation going on in the chat about uh, RVs and campers. Is is that going to be a trend when people want to travel but they don't want to interact with people? Campers, RVs, so. Polaris, Harley. We're trying to unload those things right now to raise cash. Um, you know, flood the market of some of those things. That's a good point. You know, we had that uh, private investment. We're in RV Spot Finder with the largest. Uh, they connect RV parks with technology, and it's been a little slow to grow. So I, I would love it if RVs came back. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, oh, look, Ask Sebi is watching. Hi, oh, Sebi. awesome. Hey, man. So, so good to have you on. Uh, That's Brian, awesome. Brian Cruz wants to know thoughts on car insurance. Initially thought they'd be profiting. Turns out some of them are giving back their premiums. I know, Chris, we've talked about this. Your yeah. thoughts on the Allstate give <laughs> back program. Hot sports opinions here. So, yeah, so th this is when uh, we're not when we're not taping dumb money. We're like at war with each other over text chains with our other buddies. And like one of our buddies basically, or Jerry, it was a Jerry or Terrence. 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 Yeah, they were like, Dude, I'm an Allstate customer for life. I just got a free check, and I'm like, and it worked. <laughs> and it worked. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think that he even knew that it was coming. I had read the news story the day before. They're giving back a small amount as a publicity stunt, and uh, they're still going to be very well, think profitable. Think about how much money they're saving by not having any oh. come through right now. They might, uh, dude. You just throw a little of that cash out, and then six hundred million is nothing to you're on. Oh, you know. Yeah. yeah, you know what, guys? I I think yeah, all state. I mean, it sounds. Is there any negatives? How, what's that stock chart look like right now? It sounds like it'd be a pretty good investment. I haven't read, guys. I haven't researched it. No. Um, it's on. It's on my list of things to do. But you want to see which stock chart? All state. Oh. By the way, it was a. It wasn't just a good publicity stunt. It was a great one. And oh man, it's hard to buy them at a hundred, isn't it? After seeing them down there at seventy, just. But then again, I mean, they're not going to have claims for like another. Three months, you and, and you know what? They got ahead of the problem. They got ahead of the problem, and like no one's demanding more money from Allstate because they got ahead of it, and they just did it on their own. Yep. And they kept people happy. When's the last time an insurance company has done something positive in terms of marketing? Like that's real. Where you at least felt happy about it, even though you're still overpaying for what you're. You, what the amount you're driving compared to the amount you're paying for your car insurance doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know, guys. I think Allstate will probably continue. It's probably not a terrible investment. It's just not. It's not one that's I'm looking at right now. What, what you got another twenty percent there potentially twenty five percent if things go well. Is that what you're looking at here? Yeah, to get back to normal levels. Yeah, that, that's the way. But is Allstate a company that I really want to be in even post post pandemic? You know. Probably, I don't know, probably not. Because isn't the concern interest rates? We talked about that. If interest rates are really low, and I think a lot of these insurance companies, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a lot of them are invested in really, really safe yeah. uh, debt instruments. So if the interest rates drop and they're invested in treasuries, they have to roll those treasuries over and now they're getting lower profits on the money that they, that they have from their customers. So... That could be a little. That could squeeze them a little bit. Again, the I just. I haven't right now. Are killing it, right? So you know what's killing it? The price on their treasuries that they currently own. Like if they've got current treasuries and those things are. But they're they. But Jordan, they're not. They're not trading those. Trading out of those for profit. They're just holding them for income. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I don't know how the. I don't know how that works. 
Yeah. So, so basically, they have a ton of money that has to be invested. So if they sold those treasuries right now for profit, yeah. they would have to rebuy new treasuries paying under 1%, you know, so and that would lower their, you know, lower their income. And I, yeah. I don't even know what all states invest in. I would have, I would have to know more about that to understand what the risk side is to that investment that people that that retail investors probably don't understand that well before I got in it. So that's yeah. why you can't make rash decisions on like, oh, all states get having less claims. So let's buy all state. Well, you know, maybe maybe that's a good other side to this with basically interest rates being zero for the next four years. That's going to crush insurance companies ability to generate revenue on their reserves. That's even more important than, than the in the savings they're getting from payouts. Uh, any thoughts oh. on the cloud being the next big thing? I mean, the cloud is the current big thing. Uh, I know you guys have the FANG stocks that uh, cover these. Uh, any shorter term trades on them once the economy starts to stabilize? Uh, I, I mean, we, we talked right last now. week about, or, or earlier this week, about uh, the uh, REITs, the, uh, the the data warehousing real estate as as a potential play. But I, I don't really have any other short term plays. Amazon is my is my play there. Um, Microsoft, of course. Uh, listen, I, I, I love the cloud. I, I think the cloud is the cloud trade is back on now. It's back on in a really big way. It, you know, by the way, it's not like it was going anywhere. People thought it was like slowly. The, the acceleration and growth of the cloud was slowing down. OK, the cloud was all cloud companies were still growing quarter over quarter. They have been for the past six years. Um, the growth rate was slowing down. So yep. what this pandemic is going to do, in my opinion, is reaccelerate that growth rate for some period of time. So if you think about it, you know, companies are all trying to figure out what they do with the cloud, how much they spend on it, how much they move to it, how quickly. And I think now they're just going to spend it's going to be a lot easier for a board to say, you know what, let's just allocate budget and go all in on this. Let's go all in with Microsoft, with Amazon, Google, whoever. Yeah. whoever and and, they, and, and uh, like you're in DocuSign. That's that's a cloud and business company. And uh, here's another commenter uh, asking about Adobe, which is a cloud and applications uh, play. Um, yeah, I, 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 the only I have no nothing against Adobe. It's just not a company that I've done the research on. I'm, I already have my cloud position, so I never felt the need to go deep in on Adobe, the differentiation. Uh, so I can't really comment much on it. And uh, Sebi is is long. He's been long uh, a Shopify since it was at twenty seven. I have too. Uh, I've Dude. been in Shopify for the longest time, and super happy with that. Shopify is the king, man. They are the king of this movement right now. And I'm telling you, like, I feel so good about Shopify. That said, I mean, they're going to lose some small business, you know, potentially some small business. Money, but I love it. I love Shopify here. Uh, you know, I do have an issue. I have that trade on Square. And, yeah. uh, you know, one of my empl older employees who headed up sales for us, Jordan, at Ticker Tags, uh, uh, Trishel reminded me that they have a pretty big loan portfolio to small business. Hmm. And so I really want to do some more research on that loan portfolio because that loan portfolio could get crushed. And it might be the thing that people, square investors are not paying attention to. So that's something I'm going to research further this next week. 
uh, and I might get out of my square trade if I feel that that's too too uh, much of a risk. I saw an interesting thing in the news um, about billionaires giving money to uh, to the cause. Um, Jack Dorsey is giving twenty eight percent of his net worth in the form of his square stock. And uh, you know, the second he a did that, billion dollars. The second he did that, I was like, oh, he's going to get ripped so hard. And he did. <laughs> and most of the tweets like, were just ripping him for, oh, it's all about the tax write-off. It's all about this. You shouldn't even be a billionaire. Billionaires shouldn't even be allowed in this world. I mean, you've seen it over and over and over again, right? So he's putting it into a charitable trust. Yeah. that So he doesn't have to pay any taxes on that. But he's not getting any of the money anymore. That billion. Yeah. He's he, giving away a billion dollars that he will never see. Okay. Yes, but, the truth is, he's giving away less than a bit. So he would have had to pay close to half a billion in taxes on that money, or not, not really. Let's call it, you know, whatever it is three hundred and fifty billion in taxes. Now he doesn't. So he's giving away six hundred and fifty million of what he would have had, uh, and also beyond that, I think he maybe maybe also get some tax, some other tax advantages. But still, he's still giving away hundreds losing hundreds of millions of dollars that he could have had for himself. So good for him. Good for him. I give him credit. I, I, I love it whenever these guys do this. And they all, most of them, Zuckerberg does it, right? Yeah. I mean, Zuckerberg, Bill Gates is the um, ultimate. So far has done, uh, at least what I saw, $25 million, which is 0.04% of his net worth. Bill Gates gave 0.1% of his net worth, $100 million of his $100 billion Network. No, 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 but Dave, that's not fair to Bill Gates because <laughs> Bill Gates has given away essentially all of his net worth. So oh, Bill, Gates, Bill Gates, like, he's giving away 99%. I'm with you. Bill Gates is literally, he has no, he has no, uh, nothing going on in his life other than trying to give away his money in the most uh, efficient and beneficial way. Um, Jeff Bezos is giving 100 million. Oprah gave 10 million, which out of her, she, she's way lower net worth than, than uh, Bill, Jeff, and Mark. So way to go, Oprah. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, uh, so by the way, there's an awesome concert on Monday. All these celebrities, these musicians are doing a concert Monday evening. Uh, and it's what from their house, I guess. It should be pretty cool though. Comedians are doing it. Like yeah. they're not gonna ask for money, I heard. It's like it's not no one's asked to donate. They're just doing this for entertainment. Pretty cool. It's great. Uh, I, I love that stuff like that's going on. Some some uh, people making fun of uh, Jordan's conservative position of 100% cash. <laughs> Clearly, the most Wait, conservative. Wait, he's not 100% cash. No, wait, he's wait, not. Wait. He's 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 only he's third. only uh, thirty a third in cash. Yeah. Which is um, too much. I need to get it to work. Trust me, I know. I just am I am I insane? Do I need to pull back here on my position? Am I? You are. Celebrity? You're always a little insane. When people Tim say, White's asking if I if I intend to. So uh, you know, you know what you should do. You've yeah, you've been, you've been winning. So I don't know. You're what, whatever you're doing. We should all we the, the three of us should all get on your playbook here. Um, so yeah, Tim White wants to know if I intend to stay twenty five percent in cash. No, I I want to be a hundred percent invested in the market. It's just yep. uh, now now is perhaps a great buying opportunity. Uh, my plan is to just slowly continue to buy more stocks until I'm 100% invested. Um, but I, I don't feel like, you know, picking a day and saying, this is the day I'm all in. I'm more of the kind of, I'm going to be dollar cost averaging, if you will. And if it continues to go down, 
I'll be getting in at some lower prices than today. If this if this uh, rally we've seen is not a bull trap, my 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 real thought is that we're kind of in a long term bull trap that we're going to be just maybe going sideways to up to down for a little bit before we see the real roaring twenties. What this episode's all about, and we'll see that probably. 21, 22. I, I don't think volatility is so high. I could see, I mean, just as much as we've been going, you know, three, 400 points up every day, we could be doing the same thing to the downside in the next week. So I'm, I'm just waiting. Yeah. All right. I, I know you guys say that. And listen, you know, I'm not, uh, I mean, I don't love the word, word, words like bull trap. I think this is going to be news driven. I keep going back to it. It's going to be news driven and something has to pop this bull run here i think there will be profit taking i think he'll, if we get remember when we had that big rebalancing that caused yeah. the market to pop up you realize now we're going to have the opposite happen towards the end of this month we're going to get yeah. a rebalancing and people are going to have to get down. now by the way so last month people got ahead of that by like three or four days yeah. this month i'm just going to assume people are going to get ahead of that by like six to eight days so if we're flat right where we are going into the end of this month, like six to eight days before the end of this month, I am hedging short. I'm going to hedge my portfolio so hard. I'm going to spend a bunch of premium hedge it that last week, right last week, just based on that one rebalancing trade alone because we've gone up so much now. Isn't that an obvious thing to do? No, no, no. <laughs> I'll definitely and and that's what that's where it just it pays to watch it and be able to just. Push the pause button. Put that put that hedge in, and then when you see things going up, be able to take it off. Now you're not going to be perfect with it, but you're going to be able to hopefully protect yourself. Chris, did you hey, sell about, your Netflix shares? Um, been no, I forgot to tell. When I was going through my portfolio, I was literally going to tell you guys that uh, but I did not. I am. 12% of my account or 11% Netflix. It's a huge yeah, Netflix huge, position huge. right now. Yeah. Huge. But but I don't see I have a really hard time seeing the downside on Netflix right now. I just think it's so the story is so positive. Um, you know, who knows? I, like judging from your internet I, connection today, it sounds like someone in your house or at least three televisions are probably streaming Netflix at the same time as you're trying to talk to us. You really no, need to I, plug into the internet. I'm going to I'm going to Amazon one of those dongles to you so you can plug your no, MacBook. No, it doesn't. In. It doesn't work. I I'm going to send you a you. long cable. I know you're in a room that doesn't have Ethernet. No, I have a plug in. It doesn't work. I guess you try right into the router and do this from a different room. I can do that. I'm sending you um, forty. How how which which room is your router in? Now it's in my way. A two foot cable. I, I'm gonna go. I can do it from that room, Dave. I I will try. I promise. I'll try that this weekend. I'll try plugging into my wall outlet here. It would not. It just did nothing. It's like it didn't accept it. So I something tells me that the wrap the wires are not plugged in correctly to the router. I don't want to mess up my home internet during quarantine either. <laughs> no, um, no. You, you, but plug directly in. Plug into a switch. You, you know. You've got you got Jordan to help you out with tech support, but but dude, no, Dave, my internet is fast, right? Like if I pull up an internet, my upload speed is really really fast. So like it's, that's right why I didn't think right that now? was the issue. You want me to pull it right now? 
Well, go to an internet test. Go off the air. Yeah, do do an internet test. Share your screen. No, I don't have to go off. I don't have to go off the. What's internet test? What's it called? Uh, Speed test. Okay, I'm I'm googling internet test. (laughs) Google even has one. If you do internet speed test as a Google search, you'll just go to theirs. Okay, I'm gonna go to speed test by speedtest.net or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, my internet does seem slow right now. Yes. Hold on, let me. We can't let, hear let, a word you're saying. Like every other word is cut off. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna hit go. Here it is. It is not doing much yet. Hold on. <laughs> you, okay, your here we go. Still hasn't gone. Uh, it's like stalled at zero. Wait, this is not possible. This. It's possible because you're also streaming. Oh, here we go. All right. I'm at uh, 70. Oh, no, 133. Up? Uh, 107, 99. I'm at 133. That's your downlink. Now tell us what your uplink is because that's how we're watching. Oh, the upload. Yeah, right. The upload would be the issue. Okay. It's, it's, we're waiting on the upload here. Take guesses, everybody. What do you think it's at? What's my upload? Probably at 20 or. It's taking a long time to start the upload process. Yeah. It's zero. Is that possible? Yeah. Yes, it is. That's what you, that, it, you sound like you're at zero. Uh, what do you think about, uh, do you know anything about spirit error systems and holdings? I, I don't. Nope. You know nope. about, uh, oh, restoration hardware. That's one that I bought. Uh, actually, I sold some, uh, I think I, I think I sold some puts on restoration hardware and they did exactly what I wanted. And I made hundred percent profit on that. Nice. They, I they got expired, my restoration. They expired worthless. I got my restoration hardware still. Um, I've got, I've got about a little bit, Not, nothing crazy. Uh, on, on travel. Do you guys have anything else on travel? I, the only thing I have is that booking.com and my win. I, I, still, have, uh, I still have jet blue, which I need to unload. Um, well, you're doing well in that. I mean, it's fine. I'm up like 17%, but it's, you know, it's nothing, nothing to write home about. Yeah, I have 0.0% in travel. I, it's just not something that I'm in the short term thinking is going to be a, a play, even though these companies have been so beaten up. I, I don't, I don't, even though they're increasing right now, do you, when they come out with their earnings and say, you know what, you were right, nobody stayed in our hotels, nobody flew, we're, we're filing for bankruptcy. Do you think that's going to be good for the stock? No, but I think, again, if we're talking about this show is all about the roaring 20s. By the way, I'm 10.7 upload, which is not great. No, um, 7 would be fantastic. Oh, it is good? 10 yeah, 10, yes. 10 should be fine. Okay. I'm 15. Uh, that's what, but we're not, we're not getting 10 from you. Yeah. Or your computer... Seven. Is just too slow and is having a hard time encoding. So yeah, that could be and turn it back on again. That could be the problem. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll do that. I'll, we'll do some testing later. Okay, here's the thing, guys. Again, the Roaring 2020s. If you wait until we're right about to start the Roaring 2020s, you're not going to be able to get. It. You're yeah, not going to yeah. be able to get win at, at forty bucks, fifty bucks, sixty bucks, whatever it is these days. So now it's a seventy something. It keeps going up. Uh, when is my one? Uh, travel-ish play, uh, and I am like 2% of my portfolio, 1.5% of my portfolio is in win. Yeah, I mean, listen, I bought Booking.com really late. I bought it literally right before we started the show today. 
but I don't care. I'm, I, listen, I'll hold that at 1400. It could go down again, but at 1400, it's. I don't think. I don't think bookings going out of business. I think they got a great cash position, and I'm willing to hold them a year, uh, even if they go down or sideways. I think eventually that's a stock that trades north of 2000 again, and that puts me at a 25 to 35 percent gain on the stock, which would be really nice over the next year. Uh, it's a company I feel comfortable holding. I don't think they're at bankruptcy risk. I don't think wins at bankruptcy risk. And that's why I, I don't mind holding it here because they can sell that property and get four billion, three, four, five billion dollars. They can float themselves to, you know, without even having to dilute shareholders, quite yeah. honestly. And so I'm not saying they're going to do that, but I think they, they have the option to do that. And that's why I like win. Uh, question here from Lewis. This is about our other Dumb Money YouTube channel, the the original Dumb Money. And for those of you who are joining because you saw us talking about stocks, we are also investors in startup companies and we have a whole YouTube channel about that. It is called Dumb Money, youtube.com slash Dumb Money. We have it linked. You know, it's one of the channels. It's, it's one of the channels we follow here. Uh, he wants to know what our average amount we invest in a startup is. Yeah. So subscribe to us on the other channel and you'll know. No, we'll, we'll answer. <laughs> Basically, it's anywhere from $5,000. Typically, it's closer to fifty dollars to $100,000, kind of probably on average. But we have gone as high as a half million. a million dollars. And we're talking about per person. So a million. Yeah, no, we, we, we've invested a million dollars in our top one or two startups uh, before yeah. individually. Uh, so, yeah, most of our investments are fifty to hundred k. But we'll 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 invest a quarter of a million, half a million. We we made one uh, recently that was in the low six figures. About to make another one in the low six figures. A couple more in the low six figures here uh, that we're closing on soon. So and we're we're in a bit of a hiatus on the other channel just because we're not getting out and meeting with startup founders. Um, I do want to film an episode because we we are going to be taking some Zoom meetings with founders just ch check in to see how how their business is holding up to see what pivots they're making, if any. So um, we're, we're going to put an episode on original Dumb Money channel uh, as soon as we have it. How, how cool was that uh, startup we're invested in? Remember that they make the machinery for sorting cannabis trim, and now they're they're basically becoming a co-processing co-processor for cannabis producers out out in the West Coast. Yeah. And that that was a great update, and we need to bring that that whole company to uh, to our audience because it's it's an interest it's a fascinating product and the way that they've been able to you know we got in super early and the way they've been able to uh, to grow is great yeah uh, we're invested in almost roughly 60 companies uh, startups now and we will invest in another dozen or so uh, this year and somebody asked how they're doing uh, I don't think we've, we haven't kept up too much I think we've done some checks on a few of them that have larger uh, We've got larger investments into, but I assume yeah, we're, some of them are doing really well, and some of them we're getting we're getting some uh, more email updates. Yeah. You know, it's it's really hard when when you know they're probably scrambling to even you know keep their operations going. So it's it's hard. We we understand as as former founders and and operators ourselves, we know how hard it is to give your investors updates when you're in the middle of uh, trying to keep your business running. So we're, but I do want to I do want to do a, a video check in with as many as as we can. Hey, uh, no, agreed. We're going to start producing episodes as soon as we're out of quarantine, guys. Uh, we just can't really do that while we're in quarantine. It's too difficult and it's not safe. By the way, I feel like I have a sore throat today, but I think it's allergies. Oh, <laughs> no, the allergies in Texas and Dallas specifically are terrible right now. And if you're like me and susceptible to the tree uh, pollen, we're we're 
even in our zip code, it's worse than other zip codes. I I, I looked at the report, so you're, um, you're fine. You don't have you don't have COVID. Uh, Nathan Crum at 1234 asks, how's Robinhood doing? For those of y'all that don't know, we're investors in Robinhood, the company. Uh, I've talked to some other investors. I have not talked to anyone at the company. Uh, and, it, you know, nobody really knows except that their downloads appear to be really good on the App Store. They're still ranking really high uh, on the App Store. So it appears that Robinhood, even through all of this and the trouble they've had going down, continues to get a lot of new customers gen z millennial customers you know what's funny though i actually i get i get um you know every couple days i'll get like a family member or friend reach out to me and and they won't ask what stock apps i use they'll ask hey should i download robin hood which i think is interesting that that many people talk about robin hood that they don't they don't think about the problems we think about the problems you know, yeah. I think I think Robinhood, you know, as far as being that brand recognition and the first thing you think of if you're opening your first brokerage account, that's where Robinhood's the winner. And um, they now have uh, fractional shares. They have drip investing. I've seen uh, some of the other YouTubers talking about that. Uh, Andre did a did a thing on that the other day. Um, I still I really like our investment in Robinhood. And if I were going to be recommending a brokerage to someone who was not trying to do crazy trades like we do, not trying to, you know, it's it's a good platform for new investors. Um, you know, Sean Wines at 1234 asked, how's coin rolling going? We had a few episodes in our coin rolling. It's frozen, Sean. I still have those coin rolls. We have not touched them. We're still saving that for our next episode, hopefully, whenever we can film it again. Uh, what's the name of the trim company? Do you remember the name of the trim company that we're invested in? That yeah, are we supposed cannabis- to talk about them, by the way? I know the name. Okay, don't talk about them. I'm, no, I'm not sure. Let, 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 let's not do it. Yeah, let's not do it. Sorry, guys. We, we, we will get permission, and we'll, we'll tell you about them. Uh, oh, this is interesting. Uh, where G Trent Nolan at twelve thirty six? G Trends has favored uh, car gurus over Auto Trader for five years. Was curious to have your car dealership background. Um, you know, when we manage uh, one of the largest software companies in, uh, for car dealers, eCarless, which is sold to Dealer Track, which is now part of Cox Automotive. Oh, they actually sold them. Cox then sold them. Yeah. Uh, we always we would get pitched every day with a company, and every day they'd be like, "Guys, partner with us, finance us. We're like Auto Trader but better." And so our, our joke, the pitch was always, "We are Auto Trader but better." And we uh, we actually built, you know, helped some companies build little. It was never it was never successful, and I am always shocked. The car gurus was a thing <laughs> that they actually built auto trader, but better if they can if car gurus pitched us at the time, we would have laughed them out of the office. And I'm that- actually pretty sure that they did pitch us at one point. If we could maybe just build their platform for them. And we were just like, no, yeah, you're going to be another auto trader, but better. Sure. We'll put up a little microsite for you. Yeah. And so they did. Uh, I hate car gurus. I think that the company is terrible. I think <laughs> I think that they are on borrowed time. I think the entire way that an automotive listing company works and values themselves uh, is essentially spending tremendous amounts of marketing dollars to attract transactions. And when those marketing dollars eventually run out, 
the only other thing you can do, you can continue to tweak your, your fees up like AutoTrader did. AutoTrader would basically tweak their fees up every year for what, 15 years, car dealers, and eventually car dealers hate you and yeah. they're happy to switch to a car gurus or someone else, right? Yeah. Car gurus is gonna be in the same situation. I think the, the Google algorithm is not working as well with car gurus as it used to from what I understand. That could potentially hurt them. They're not gonna have as much money to continue to buy ads to get in front of people and eventually there'll be a new car gurus and a, a hundred other car gurus. Long term, I don't like the business model. I hate it. Uh, short term, it can be very successful, but long term, I hate it. I wish I shorted it and I didn't. Uh, you know, at some point in the future, I might again. Who was the, who was the car gurus before car guru? Was it True Car? Were they the ones that were? True Car. Well, yeah, True Car had an element. Obviously at cars.com, right? Yeah. They, they never yeah. really blew up big, but uh yeah, uh, True Car was started by a guy, one of my very first boss in the industry, uh, Scott Painter. One of my first jobs uh, was a company called uh, CarsDirect.com, 1998, 99. Uh, and yeah, it, it's all these companies are, are, are really tied together. A lot of the management teams, we all know each other. Uh, it's a really small world of automotive technology and automotive advertising. But I, I, I don't love it. I hate it. Don't invest in any of these. I don't invest in any of those guys. <laughs> Uh, gaming industry, love it. We want to talk Beto, about Beto, 1239. Still love the gaming industry. Love it, love it. Activision's a really nice part of my portfolio right now. Maybe not as much upside because these stocks have not come down that much. But I think, you know, if the worst case scenario happens that we're all worried about, the quarantine lasts a lot longer. We get second waves of this coming in, right? Mm -hmm. It's almost like a defensive play. I love these stocks that are a defensive play for, for pandemics but also would do just fine post-pandemic. We keep talking about that, right? Activision is a company that should benefit greatly from the launch of all the new gaming platforms later this year, the new Xbox, the new PlayStation, but they're also a company that flourishes during a pandemic when the microtransactions goes through, because now they have microtransactions with their, you know, with a couple of their lead games and, I think it's like a win when they just win in either scenario. You're not going to make it. I think you take a look at, at companies that maybe get additional eyeballs, get additional people trying the product. I think more people are at home and they're going to be gaming. And if they like it, they will continue to be customers. I think that that's, that is kind of the things that I'm looking for. Another one that I saw was asking what our thoughts on Rite Aid. And Rite Aid to me is, that's a pandemic play, but nobody's going to be using more Rite Aid once once they no longer need that. Right. Yeah. And we, we, we want to have our cake and eat it, too. We want all of it. We, we want we want companies that are doing well now and companies that are going to do well after the pandemic. By the so way, that, that's questions on, you know, what about uh, Colgate? Uh, what about I mean, th those are those are going to be consumer staples, but I'm not excited about consumer staples. Yeah. Ever, uh, aggregate ever grow how much of that stuff you use. Right. How you much? Yeah. How, how much more of their products can you use? Right. Well, I think I think uh, some of them you'll use a lot more of their products during the pandemic because you, every you're not eating out, you're eating in, so you're buying more of that stuff that, that you would use in your house, right? Yes. So some of them you can make you can make that argument, but it's not forever. Right. You know I, I could make the argument that I've used one of the main ingredients I use when I'm cooking is bounty paper towels. I'm yeah. just like crazy with them. I don't, I don't know what it is, but that is like the main thing that I use when I'm cooking. Every every spoon gets wiped down. Every you know, it's it's just that's Me my too. style, and I'm so glad that I stocked up. 
So somebody yeah. asked about put contracts and if a company goes bust, what um, who would buy the put contracts? It doesn't matter. I mean, there's always a market for these things. If the company goes bust, you can still sell the shares at the pre-negotiated price and yeah. you can still buy them. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're, 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 you can buy those shares for a very depressed so there's yeah. still value for all those things. Yeah, if you if you own puts and a company goes bust, you 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 know, to my knowledge, <laughs> I don't know if I've ever been through one of those personally, but but I think you you should be fine. Uh, gold, like we don't we don't comment on financials or energy companies or gold. Those are three sectors that we just don't cover. We love to say we don't know. We don't know about gold. Yeah. We don't know about uh, financials. Didn't we you buy know. gold at one point though? You had a gold brick. Silver, man. Silver. silver. It was. Silver. Uh, yeah. I was 13 years old. If you read my book, it's <laughs> my first investment. I one of my first. I, I, a hundred ounce bar of silver. I think I made 28 cents over nine months uh, in that, and I never bought so. I sold, brought, rode my bike with the silver bar on the handlebars back to the sil- the little uh, bullion store at Preston over Center. In the Village. No, Preston Center. <laughs> they had that back in the 80s, yeah. and uh, never invested in commodities again. Here's a story from John. He has uh, his cousin and I ordered five thousand dollars worth of half dollars, and they rolled and re-rolled them. It took them a day. They got four silver coins out of it. So not wait, worth it. wait from how much? From how much? Five thousand worth. Is that, is it, 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 I, I feel like they are. They, that's like a precursor for what we're going to find when we do ours. Then yeah, you, you kind of are getting the same thing just from the uh, the few that you you're early on. You went in and took the entire inventory of uh, coins from. Wells Fargo, which yeah. is like two rolls, and you got zero. So yeah, I don't think we're going to be pushing that uh, that storyline past the unrolling because I have a feeling it's going to be a disaster. I but think we we'll- missed the boat on this. If we were doing this like in the '60s and '70s, I think we could just have it rolling in. <laughs> Unless we could, like, but oh, it wasn't yeah, about that. Yeah, it was, can we go deeper into the vaults and get some coins that have not already been picked through by people in the '60s and '70s, yeah, yeah. and use machine automation to do the separating for us? Use this. This uh, cannabis sorting machine to to take care of it for us. Here's yeah, a question. we had all the oldness, Jordan. What are our thoughts on Zoom now that big companies are banning it? So we we knew that the FBI had that report, and we knew that companies were already starting to ban it. Google announced yesterday that they're no longer um, allowing their people to use Zoom as a meeting platform. Great question. I sold two thirds of my Zoom this week. Okay, I sold the first thir- third of my Zoom when I saw that uh, Tesla. And, and I think it was, you know, a few government agencies and NASA said they wouldn't let them use it. Once I saw uh, some additional news come out on it, I sold another third. I still have Zoom. I just don't have, uh, you know, we bought it you know, a month ago. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just like, I, I might eventually sell all of it. I don't know. But for now, I still have it, a small piece. Yeah, my concern is, my concern is their costs have to be through the roof, right? Because it's being utilized so much. A, they've got free accounts be and then you know um they've got all the they've got all the um the negative headwinds but on the flip side they are getting new they're being exposed to new customers they have become the uh the verb for i'm going to take an online meeting no i'm going to zoom do you want to zoom us do you should we zoom our happy hour but all so the happy I, hours, those are free right people who have free accounts you get kicked off after 40 minutes and then you re and you restarted. Well, we, we upgraded so that our happy hour could go longer. Jordan, you and I were on uh, That's a good point. for a long time. And then yeah. Jordan, when we first turned his camera on this morning, he said, oh, my God, I'm still reeling from the uh, Zoom happy hour that I had on Tuesday. 
<laughs> now I have, I was just looking, I have a, I have a weekly family Zoom with my parents and, and brother and sister and their families and stuff. And it was so fun. We did it last week. I got to cancel. I think long-term Zoom is going to be this new trend that I think that even when people are allowed to go back to work, we've shown that you can work from home and be effective and you can pretend like you're doing emailing and, and whatever. So why not, uh, why not continue that trend? Why, hey. why go to the office? It's, it's cheaper for companies to not have to have office space and desks for everyone. Hey guys, I don't know if you bought in this stock. Remember when we talked about, I was buying Plantronics, Brian Ritter at 1245 asked about PLT uh, Plantronics. That investment's going really well. Uh, I haven't even checked it, but I just checked. It's at 1240. Didn't I buy that at like, I don't know, like eight or nine or something like that? Just like a week ago. Could have. So um, have. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 up from it's up from eight bucks to twelve bucks. It's up like fifty percent in a week. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I would get out of that. Look look at their look at their long term trend. I don't see them being an amazing company long term. So but. let me tell you, I have I I had zero intentions to be in Plantronics beyond the pandemic, but I'm gonna let it sift out a little bit longer. I'm gonna I, I, I'm gonna let it I'm gonna let it see how we can push it. It's down so much guys. It's down so much. It's crazy. So uh we'll see. I'm gonna stick with Plantronics a little bit longer. Maybe I'll pull half off the table this next week. Uh let's see. Are we looking at anything besides stocks and startups, sports card, oil, etc. No, stocks and startups keeps us busy. And, and by the way, yeah, that 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 does keep us busy. No, uh, Nolan says the G. He's all about G trends at uh, twelve forty six. He says G trends for Zoom upgrades are insane. I know he's been looking at people that are talking about Zoom Premium. Uh, maybe he's right. You know, maybe maybe the, maybe maybe Zoom. Like I said, I'm not selling all my Zoom. I'm I'm saving some of it. Uh, he also says, oh, let's see. Yeah, he's he's doing G trend work on Zoom upgrade 40 minutes max cost pricing and pro uh i like no one i i like your your you know ingenuity in terms of thinking about combinations of word combinations for uh, google trends that's extraordinarily important you cannot just look at the word zoom on google trends you've got to dive deeper guys you got to look at consumer behavior keywords that are more closely related to someone doing something that that is potentially correlated with sales of a product. So great work. Yeah, work has, has figured out looking for things like forty minutes and upgrade and pricing and and that sort of thing. That's that is what will trigger um, them to do well as a business and not just as like I, I think I actually coined the uh, term Kleenex of teleconferencing, but Jordan got credit for him in this comment. But hey, Dave, how about? How about my college roommate, Michael Crockett, 1248, Wendy's. Crockett, if you remember, the reason why we got into Wendy's is because I was obsessed with this breakfast offering. Uh, I thought, you know, out of the gate, all my information pointed to the fact that that breakfast offering was outstanding. People were loving it. And it was going to be like a little mini version of what happened with McDonald's when they went to all-day breakfast. I thought it was going to be a huge boom for Wendy's. Um, The problem is that... You know, no one's thinking about a new product offering right now at Wendy's because of the pandemic. So I sold my Wendy's. I think I might have kept a little bit of it, actually. I kept a little bit of Wendy's, uh, but I don't have much because I'm concerned that this whole thing was based on breakfast. And is anybody real? I did I did hold some of it. I kind of look at that chart. I wish I would have 
kept more of it. <laughs> but uh, Wendy's back up to 17 bucks. Wow. Uh, I still think if we get through the pandemic, I would consider that breakfast trade again. But right now, you know, I'm sure Wendy's doing great. McDonald's is doing great. All these guys are doing great on the bounce back trade. Yeah. And let's talk about that. Restaurants in general are going to have a hard time, but the fast food companies, what do you think about like, uh, you know, we've been short cake, Cheesecake Factory. We've been short some of these, um, these fast casual to... Uh, what, what is what is the step above fast casual? I, I went short one on one of those stocks again. Remember, I was short Dave and Buster's for a long time, and then I sold yeah. out of my short at like five bucks a share uh, when it hit its all time low. I got back in the Dave and Buster's short at eleven. I'm losing money on it. <laughs> I think it's up now. Uh, Dave and Buster's is at fourteen forty five now. It's up twelve percent today. So I hope yeah. you're not still short it. I'm still I'm still short, but it's a it's a small trade. It's a small trade. I'm short Dave and Buster's. I'm short. Uh, uh, what was the other one? Um, Cisco Food. I'm short. I'm losing money on that trade. These are sh- small trades, but I am short on Dave and Buster's. I still don't understand. So Dave and Buster's is up big because today the government came out and basically said they're going to put half a trillion dollars into the Main Street lending program. That's for companies like Dave and Buster's that are bigger than small business that but but not big business and they could they could they could get up to 25 million dollars. I don't think 25 million dollars is that big of a deal for Dave and Buster's the problem. So pe- people are still buying they're buying all these mid-sized companies, right? I don't see people going to Dave and Buster's this year. And I think that's a problem. And I I'm, I'm going to maybe short more of it today. Because I, like, think, I, I think Dave and Buster's in particular has a problem because it is so hands-on. You know, you're pl- you don't want to play skee ball during a any kind of, during flu season. You're not going to Dave and Buster's, right? That that that's right. So, well, I don't know. People didn't care about that stuff before, but now it, I think- the, the counterpoint to that is smaller mom and pop restaurants. Even though there's a stimulus package, a lot of those are not going to survive, and the companies that will survive are the bigger chain, like Olive Garden, will probably survive. Even though, like. Can can you ever say anything good about the eating at these restaurants? Is it is it an experience that you enjoy? No. But if it's the only restaurant, if 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 our local Italian restaurant shuts down, you might have to go to Olive Garden. I like going there every once in a while. I don't even know why. I, it's just and something it's about that. Bar at best. It, other oh, than it's so bland. It's breadsticks. You love it. It, it, it. It's so weird. I go there just for the salad. You know, like I remember, like I eating that salad as a kid and I like now I go there you go there because you like the history I I do I like the chairs with the wheels on them and and just the the (laughs) all-you-can-eat pot the all-you-can-eat pasta that's worse than what you can make in your house but so you know you know they sold I'm thinking about people now that you know every year they do that that lifetime membership you can if you could buy all you can eat Olive Garden for a year and then one a few of those people win lifetime all you can eat all for the rest of your life Olive Garden I did that last this last year as, as a joke. So I was like, how cool would it be to be able to give that to one of my kids when they go off to college? You'll never go hungry. You can eat at <laughs> Olive Garden every day for the rest of your life. That That's your inheritance. That's your inheritance. You will never go hungry. So don't ask me for anything ever again. I'm so glad I'm not your kid. That is just <laughs> <a> punishment. <laughs> But I mean, all of these restaurant stocks are up today. Cheesecake's up 11%. Wendy's is up 8%. QSR. Our, so someone was asking earlier in the comments what was our worst stock trade of all time was. It was QSR when we were playing the Popeye's chicken sandwich 
Okay. And they're um, up 5% today. Yeah, I'm not Starbucks touching them. Up, Yelp brands us up. You know, you know why I'm not touching them? Because so much of QSR, and that's where we went wrong, uh, we made a small little oversight on Tim Hortons, and Tim Hortons brought the whole trade down. Tim Hortons is so important to that company, and so much of Tim Hortons is drive. It's like people go to Tim Hortons. It's not. There's no delivery. I mean, they might do delivery, but it's really about people that are on the on the job going to Tim Hortons, getting their breakfast, getting their coffee. It's basically Starbucks of Canada, and they already had problems before this started. I want nothing to do with them. I just a bad memory. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts on Uber? Uber is one of those that, that if we're back, if we get to the roaring 20s again and people are actually leaving their house and, and everything's cool, I see Uber as a long-term play, but in the in the short term? Yeah, I mean, Uber's gonna, Uber has enough money to, 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 to last a year, to go a full year and, not, and be fine, not go bankrupt, and they'll be okay. Uber's probably a pretty decent investment here, but I'm not invested in them because... I, I I just hate the company. I, I I just don't like them personally. I just don't like the way they've been managed. I don't like the lack of consistency with Uber product. I think it just bothers me. I just don't like the feel of being invested in Uber. But they're fine. I mean, Uber, I, I don't know. I mean, they're going to do well coming out of this, right? Because you're not going to ride the subway if you're in a big cost. You're going to probably spend a little extra to take Ubers. A lot of these people don't have cars, right? So I think Uber might actually do reasonably well in this kind of get back to work, but we're still not partying yet world, right? They might do reasonably well there, you think? I think it could. And uh, I think Jordan and I both made the mistake of holding on to Lyft. So we all three were involved in pre-IPO shares of Lyft. They went public and um, Chris sold early. And oh my gosh, the stock was at $55, Dave, right before this last earnings. And I had my finger on the trigger. I was like, I should sell this. But I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm going to wait and see what earnings does. And then it's just been a disaster ever since. Total disaster. You still have Lyft? You still own your Lyft? Yeah. <sighs> oh, you're killing me. <laughs> because long, long term, I think that they're a good company. At I this think point, that, it doesn't matter. We've given it, there's so much opportunity cost that we've got by holding it. It's, it was bad. It's a bad one. Yeah, but hey, it's uh, actually not bad. It's it's doing. It's come back way back from where it was at its lows. We're at seven. We're at seven, seventy cents on the dollar with it, Dave. Yeah, you know, but at least we weren't at twenty cents on the dollar. Yeah. I think that's where we got down to. It's probably like it's probably like forty or fifty cents. It's, I think it, no, it was like thirty five cents on the dollar is where it got down to. Well, um, okay, guys. Uh, is GM going to go bankrupt? Uh, Pedro, twelve forty nine. Is GM going to go bankrupt? I I haven't looked into it enough to to make that call. Um, I did sell my I sold my Ford. I was in that Ford for a while. Sold a little bit of that. My my best guess on a bankruptcy play would be American Airlines, and that's why I'm shorting American. We'll see what happens. Uh, we won't know for a few months. Oh, I'm tired, guys. I, I got. I feel like I have. We only have two hours of trading until the weekend, and I just realized how on margin I am, and I feel like I need to meditate and think about this <laughs> going <laughs> into the weekend. So uh, we got update for you. Uh, the Dow is up four forty six, uh, about two percent. S and P is up almost two percent. So it's time for us to go trade a little bit more. Yes. 
Uh, lots of great questions here. Leave them up. You know, re-put your questions in on the episode. I didn't do a good job getting to the last episode, but I'm going to try really hard this weekend to get to everyone's questions. You might have to re-enter them once Dave posts this uh, as an episode on YouTube. And we'll get as many questions as we can, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we should have, we should have that up very soon. Uh, also, thank you guys for sticking around to the end. We have 400 people who stuck through to the end. We really appreciate it. Uh, so smash the like button because we want people to find find this the next time, and that that does help us with the YouTube algorithm. Subscribe to us on both channels. We're on Dumb Money and Dumb Money Live, and also Hey There, Dave here. It's my uh, other channel, and I'm, I'm still making videos there. So, uh, got to have you have you come to both of those. Uh, what else, Dave, Dave? One guy I, I can't find the comment. He asked if I'm still giving out books. Yes, I am. Laughing at Wall Street. We're mailing them out for free. I will get around to it very soon. I promise. You we haven't have to go gotten to- around to that in so long. I feel like we shouldn't because you're supposed to help me, and you can't help me when you're in quarantine. But yes, go. To, I promise I will get them out. Dumbmoney.tv slash book is where you go. Just give us your information. If you're in the U.S., it's the only place we can ship those, but we will definitely be getting those out to you. Uh, It's a nice hardback book. It's it's $25 book, and it cost me like $2.50 to mail it out to you. But I didn't spend $25. I've spent like $3 for my publisher years and years ago. They gave me a bulk discount on them. Yeah, but you've been paying a lot to keep them in bulk storage. So we we all appreciate that. Yes. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for watching. Stay home. Stay safe. I'm Dave Hansen for Chris and Jordan. We are Dumb Money. We'll see you next time.